and welcome to the Titan on Entry Racing Podcast, the fastest growing podcast on Spotify. We're back after a very long hiatus. I'm joined here with my co-host, Alex Lynch. My name's John Davern. How are you doing, Alex? Doing good, bud. How's it going with you? Uh, you know, we're we're finally getting back into the flow. We actually recorded a podcast um, this week with Alex Cuesta and his co-host, Dave Hyatt. Um, that podcast is called Talking in Ovals. Make sure you go check it out. It's actually a track and field related podcast, but it's great to be back, dude. It's been a while. It is. I'm glad we decided to jump in right before the playoffs start. Felt like a good opportunity to get it picked up again before the actual regular season because we always kept saying wait till the next season and i feel like starting with 10 races to go is good a good spot to go so yeah dude it's the best time of the year it's the perfect time to jump back into our weekly show um and there's a lot of exciting things going on in the world of racing so uh, do you just want to get us kick us off with our first topic of the day yeah, dude. I'll go right into it. Go to the heavy hitter first. Probably a lot of controversy from the week so far. Um, after watching the fin- finale of the regular season, seeing the second Daytona, um, is the playoff format, right? Um, we had a lot of controversy for people that weren't catching up on any of the racing. It was down between two guys, Blaney and Truex, trying to fight for that last playoff spot. And... Um, they were trying to fight each other back and forth based on not having a new winner in this current format we have if one person wins you're automatically in so on and so forth unfortunately for truex austin dillon who is sitting 19th in points not even making the top 16 in points gets a win at daytona because half the field wrecked um and truex gets bumped out blaney squeaks by by i think three points and then that is your playoff roster so is this playoff system we have now, where you have to go into a big win in your end mentality, not the right motive for NASCAR, or is it something that the fans really want because it creates just drama and controversy at the end? This hasn't really happened in a while, right? It's probably been since I don't remember what year that was with Jeff Gordon in 2013, 2014, put him in as the 17th driver. Um, in the playoffs, I don't remember when that was, but it's been a while since we had 16 winners. So I don't yeah, know if I it's mean, the right move, but I, I, the fact that this, that this was the first year, um, it doesn't surprise me too much, just because of the next gen car. And I, I know we were we were watching in the beginning of the year, and it seemed like every every race there was a different winner. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the pundits argued that there was no way we would get 16. Well, here we are with 16 winners at the end of the regular season. And I think there's a couple moving pieces here that NASCAR needs to reevaluate. The first is Daytona being the last race of the year. Um, because when you do have a points battle like that, Daytona is just, it's such a wild card. It, it's, it's not about pointing your way to the playoffs anymore. It's about surviving. And unfortunately, both... Ryan Blaney and Truex were um, swept up in different issues throughout the day. Um, Truex, you know, he was actually way ahead of Blaney going into the last stage, but um, because Blaney was just staying out of the constant wrecks, he was actually able to catch back up to Truex in that final 20 or 30 laps or so. The next moving piece for me, um, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I think Austin Dillon actually did a great job of, um, getting into the championship championship um, playoff race. Uh, he's a great restrictor plate driver. Um, that yeah. That's not a secret. He's always up there towards the end. Um, and he stayed out of the trouble throughout the day. He had probably the cleanest car at the end of the race besides maybe like Cody Ware. Um, and his teammate, Tyler Reddick, was positioned behind him on that, those final closing laps and helped push him to the win. So I, I think um, there's a lot of takeaways from Daytona, but I think the biggest one is NASCAR needs to reevaluate where it is on the schedule. Um, luckily, they haven't put out the 2023 schedule yet. But that being said, I mean, the city of Daytona itself has already said that they don't want it back on July 4th weekend because they get, they're getting their revenue regardless. They're, getting, they're filling those hotels on July 4th weekend regardless, um, which presents an issue for, for NASCAR. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans. That's kind of like a fan favorite for the diehards. They love 
Daytona on 4th of July. That's always been like a staple to have it the second time there, go around and see them at the night race and things like that. I don't know how I feel about moving the race. I don't know if that's the problem with like having that be the cutoff race for the regular season. I think the whole mentality of like having that win in your end system kind of promotes it at any track regardless. Like even like what, three or four weeks ago, we saw at the Indy road course, the guys were just absolutely sending it into turn one because they knew they could go through the wraparound or they could just bump into somebody and they would be fine. I think the win in your end kind of creates a reckless system. And I think you kind of bring a good point where it's like, maybe having Daytona at that final regular season doesn't help anyway, because if you have a guy like Truex or Blaney that's going to go all out and create a dumpster fire of a race where everybody wrecks out and you can just sit in the back and coast your way to where you need to be, maybe doesn't create the best source of entertainment for it, because then you have guys sit in the back, your chief be like, hey, I don't want you to do anything in the first stage, just sit in 30th, and then you can go out, wait for the first big one to happen, and then we start challenging I don't know if it's Daytona being in the schedule at that spot or if it's the win in your end system that kind of promotes like I'm just going to drive the crap out of you and possibly wreck you because it kind of promotes for me when I'm watching it promotes I'm going to drive through you and not around you kind of mentality when you're at that point of the season. So, so but I, we've also seen that throughout the year. So I don't know if that's yeah. a question of the format. That's why itself I think or- it could be the format itself i'm not entirely sure i don't know what your opinions are but i feel like the format if you just like cindric wins daytona 500 and that was the first race of the year and his average finish after that was like 24 like 21st or whatever in the tracks and it's like should a guy that won the first race of the year then average like 20th to 21st for the rest of the year should be should he be allowed into the playoffs adds a very interesting dynamic i understand it creates the drama that nascar is looking for but i don't know if that promotes the racing that fans want to see yeah it's it's hard because if we talk about diehard fans of course um the people who are watching for the racing itself would prefer cleaner racing but at the same time you're bringing a lot of fans if if Ross Chastain's diving into turn <laughs> one and wrecking Danny Hamlin three weeks in a row. So yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's a it's definitely a interesting it, topic it's and tough. it's been a topic yeah. of debate for a while. Yeah, it's very tough because if you want new fans and I get it, it creates the excitement. I mean, whether we hate it or don't, it still gets me excited. Like I still think it's very fun to have like the final race be like, all right, let's see what Jurex and Blaney can do and see what happens with it and see if there's a new winner that shows up. It still does create excitement. It's just the diehards are going to be like, that's not the excitement I want. I want someone to be like finishing fourth in points should not get me out because I didn't win. But then the other side of the coin, right? It's like, if you were fourth in points, you should have won at some point. So I understand both sides, but I don't know if it's the right move or not. So I'm sure they keep the format. There's no point to bickering it back and forth because they're just going to keep it next year. I've seen some people yeah. talk about it, like make it so that it's not a win you're in, but you get a huge point bonus. You get like a hundred points for a win. So that way you have a nice cushion, but you can't coast into the end. I kind of yeah. like that idea where you just give them a big pool bonus and then be like, all right, you got your win, but don't, don't sit 20th every race now. Cause you're going to get caught. So I kind of like that, well, but we'll see. Speaking of the playoffs, we have a few big changes going into um darlington this week uh the first is bubba wallace was going to be in the 45 car after joe gibbs racing and i well not sorry joe gibbs 2311 racing uh made the decision to go after the owner's championship that's a really interesting move there um and essentially what the thinking there is because the 45 car had a win they're technically locked in the chase for um your your owner's championship. So the owner's championship yeah. and the and the driver's championship um, don't coincide exactly because this is probably the first year in a long time they don't um, because Kurt Busch is sitting out for the first round of the playoffs or at least for the first race. So what, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? I think it's a pretty smart move by 2311 to like try and get as much as they can because like you said, it's the first time in a while we've seen like the owner's championship is kind of separating a little bit from the championship 
I also didn't even know you could do this. I had no clue that you could just be like, <laughs> I'm just going to change my driver to the number I want, and they can continue for the ownership championship. I don't think it's ever been done before. So when I saw that notification on my phone, I thought it was like really cool to see. Just change all the sponsorships over, even though it's not much changing sponsorships. Just let Bubba drive the 45, get what points he can. And if it puts you in a good spot for the ownership championship, you get the points you want. I don't, I don't think it hurts any side really, but I don't yeah, know. Conceptually, conceptually speaking, it's a, it's a little weird. It's a little funky, and and it's it's not a reoccurring thing that we see. So it's even more like kind of outrageous to us. Um, but yeah, like you said, they're literally just switching the numbers in the cars. They're they're yeah. keeping the same crew chiefs, same spotters, same um, car mechanics, same pit guys. They're literally just changing the number, and. I get, I get why they're doing it. They, they obviously are banking on Bubba Wallace scoring more points than Ty Gibbs um, over the next few weeks, which is probably fair to expect that out of out of your um, veteran yeah. compared to your rookie. I don't know if Bubba Wallace is a veteran, but um, he's getting there at least. So uh, it's really cool move. I'm interested to see if it pays off in the end um, and if they can continue pulling their way in. But it's really even wild. To think about too because now your race your driver playoffs are going to be different than your owner playoffs so playoffs, bubble yeah. walls and the 45 car can make the next round of the playoffs but a car that's or a driver that makes the next round of the playoffs his car might not so it's going to be a lot to think <laughs> about um yeah and luckily not everyone really cares about the winners championship so i guess it doesn't yeah, really that's matter why, but that's why that's why it's not confusing to people but it could be something as simple as like the 24 car william byron wrecks like two times out of the three races in the round of 16 he gets knocked out of the playoff for the driver championship and knocked out of the ownership but then the 45 of bubba wallace is still in and then it just keeps bouncing yeah. around where 45 is not in the driver but he's in the ownership one so it's going to be interesting well, then, i think bubba can give a run then, for it too so what if Kurt Busch comes back? Do they leave Bubble Walls in the 45? Like, there's a lot to think about here. I also think that's a great point to bring up because I sit in the back of my head. I think this move signifies that Kurt is not coming back this year. I think he's taking the rest of the year off. Okay. He, already gave, he already got rid of his playoff waiver, right? So the playoff waiver's gone. You putting another driver into that seat to continue your ownership points pretty much signifies to me that it's not coming back this year. He'll come next year do the junior s thing of race one more year and be like yeah the concussions must be up really bad and then just retire and then ty gibbs will take over the 23 or 45 whatever number they want to give him he'll probably be the 45 and bubble take the 23 again um but i think that's what it is i don't know what your opinions are but i'm pretty sure yeah i mean i i do think um kurt's probably gonna retire after this year i think kyle bush is gonna go to the 45 and I think we're going to see top <laughs> next year. But um, speaking of Kurt uh, and driver safety in general, there was a pretty hard wreck at Daytona this week. Um, Denny Hamlin got out of the car. Well, actually, did you hear the the in car radio? Uh, I heard. I heard the audio for Suarez, Bubba, Denny. I listened to all of them, and Denny's was the worst yeah. one. So they were pretty hard to listen to, actually. And um, I, I know on Denny's radio, it sounded like he basically broke a rib. He obviously just got the wind knocked out of him, and he was able to get out of the car fine. Um, but he was scheduled to race the Xfinity race this week, and he's actually pulling out. Um, so he thought he's 100% for the Darlington Cup race. And I think that's a, it brings up a lot of questions about the safety of this car. I know NASCAR has denied uh, really any wrongdoing with the car any any safety problems but i think it's pretty apparent that these drivers are feeling a lot of these hits um a lot more than they would in the old car yeah and it brings like an important question of like i think the media needs a better job like the drivers are voicing their concerns i want the media to kind of like hammer onto nascar a little bit and go against them and be like all right where is like the reports of the crash out that you guys said you would do? Because on July 13th, Scott Miller, um, the vice president of competition for NASCAR, responded to Denny Hamlin comments about like how the car felt. And he said, don't worry, there's going to be a report that comes out in the next couple months that you guys will be able to see all the crash data we were doing and all the testing we did on the cars. That report never came out to start with. 
So now we don't know any reports of the crash data. And there was one article that came out in 2020 where they were doing testing. They only tested two crashes, and one of them was at 130 miles an hour at Talladega. And that was it. That was the only two crashes we ever saw, ever seen in an article. And that's the only reports we ever have about any data on how the car feels safer. So I want the media to be like, where's the data? You guys are saying the car is safe and it's okay. And yeah, technically speaking, right? The drivers are fine. They're not getting hurt as bad. They just feel like they're getting beat up like crazy in this car where they did not feel that for the last eight years in the old car. So I would love the media to really just hone in on them and be like, where's the data? Because either you're lying and you didn't do your testing or you didn't like what you saw in the testing and you don't want it to be public. Yeah, I think the issue with that, though, is that realistically the two big media sources that cover NASCAR, Fox and NBC, and they Mm -hmm. have partnerships with NASCAR. And um, (laughs) especially as they work on a TV contract, the last thing they want to do is piss NASCAR off and raise the price of their next TV deal. Um, so it, it's really annoying because, especially in the NASCAR community, there there is no media source that's really honing in on NASCAR and questioning their their um, motives, or not, maybe not motives, but decisions. Whereas if you have the NFL, you have ESPN, you have CBS, you have Fox, you have uh, a million online news sources questioning every decision by NFL reps questioning every decision by players, every decision by team, every decision by front office management, uh, and what goes on and on. In NASCAR, we just don't have that. Even a company like Barstool, like Barstool, like throw out tweets every once in a while about like, that was a questionable call. You should watch this. And they have podcasts on that stuff. They have football podcasts, baseball, betting podcasts. Like, why is there no other outlet that can do that for NASCAR? I guess there's just no interest in it, right? But and that's that's where oh, that's um right. the pandemic really hurt nascar in my opinion barstool was just entering the sport in 2020 um yeah. when the pandemic hit and that basically just ceased all operations that they were that they were you know entering the sport with i know dave portnoy was at the, the race like three weeks in a row um, yeah, before was. the pandemic hit and then the world halted um and then after that i mean it barstool just kind of fell out of the sport a little bit I know there was some controversy between Jim Utter and um, some Barstool media sources, yeah, um, they but they were they were just finally getting to the sport, and then bam, the world stopped for a second, and then um, Barstool has kind of their presence hasn't completely ceased. They're still active on social media and stuff, uh, but they're not sponsoring cars anymore. I know they sponsored Clint Boyer's car um, back when he was still driving, but they're not sponsoring cars. They're not at the races, so. Um, it's an unfortunate kind of trend that they're no longer in the sport, but um, mm-hmm. because that that is that was kind of the route to to more mainstream attention, media attention, more mainstream um, social media attention, and it kind of died. But yeah, it there's just no one to question NASCAR right now, and and the smaller pundits and the small smaller reporters, their voice is just not heard. So really, realistically, the only people who can kind of question NASCAR are the drivers themselves. And um, when you have one of the biggest... We have a good group of vocal drivers for it, so... (laughs) Yeah, no, we definitely do. Um, But the biggest names in NASCAR are, what, Chase Elliott? And he he is the personality of a... Yeah, he's the most popular driver the last three years, I guess. Yeah. And he, he won't say anything. He literally won't say anything after... He got wrecked for the win. Maybe not wrecked, but his teammate knocked him out of the win at Watkins Glen. Um, so NASCAR is a personality issue right now. Um, and it's problematic when your two biggest personalities are Kevin Harvick and Danny Hamlin, who are going to be out of the sport yeah. in the next five years. Uh, yeah, Kyle younger Bush generations is, just don't speak. <laughs> the younger generation yeah, and just doesn't Kyle, talk at all. Kyle Bush is another. You get a, you get a Bubba Wallace complaint, Kyle, but. Yeah, and Kyle Busch is another big personality. Well, his future in the sport is kind of up in the air. Um, and, it, you know, there's just no one. I mean, Ross Chastain, maybe, but he, he'll he'll wreck someone, get out of the car, and apologize for it. If you're going to wreck someone, yeah. you, you wrecked them. Like, don't apologize. Yeah, own, like, that's what yeah, you did. Own it. it. Yeah. Own it. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear an apology. Just say, yeah, I wrecked him. 
He was in my way. I was racing for the win. That's it. That's yeah. all I want to hear. I don't want to hear an apology. I don't want you get out of the car and hear you start whining and crying because you just yeah, literally, literally do what uh, Kyle Larson did at Watkins Glen when Kyle Larson just shoved Chase all the way to the outside at Watkins Glen and was like, gets out of the car. First thing in the post-race interview at the finish line, he just goes, yeah, I sent them out there. I was racing for the win. We'll have a competition meeting. We'll talk about it. Like, boom, that's it. That's all you need to say. Just be like, I was racing for the win. I'm owning up to it. I'm not proud of it, but I did it because I want to freaking win. And that's yeah. all you should really ever have to say. Don't like boo-hoo cry about They're it. Just, so. th this is partially why I'm really excited for Ty Gibbs to move up to Cup. Um, because I know he's unapologetic. He was literally yeah, on the Dale Jr. podcast um, a few weeks ago. And I don't remember exactly what race they were talking about. But uh, Ty said, you know, yeah, I wrecked this guy for fifth. And they and they said, and Dale's like, what do you mean you wrecked him for fifth? And, and, and Ty goes, yeah, I just straight up wrecked him for fifth. I wanted fifth, so I took it. Um, and you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the way we should go about racing at the cup level. But he was unapologetic about it, and that's that's what we need. That's yeah, the personality that fire. we need. Someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fight last year when he like absolutely just unloaded on uh, who was that? R Riley Herbst? Who was that? Yeah, I think it was Herbst. I don't we'll get fact checks. I think um, it was Herbst. Or was that this year? Is that that was this year? Sure. But <laughs> re regardless, he got out of the car, and I mean, he got punched first, but he came out swinging after that. Um, that's the personality we need. We need just a little bit of fire. Um, and this sport can get back to where it was 15 years ago, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. So that's just my opinion on, I don't even know how we got on this subject, but. We were um, talking about car safety. So like to keep going off yeah. about car safety, now that the regular season's over to just kind of bring car safety and how we like the car so far. What do you think about the, the new next gen car that we've seen so far at 26 races? I think it's great. I think it is everything everyone wanted it to be and more. Um, I think we've seen a, we've had so many good races this year and they haven't all been because people are wrecking. It's been because they've been having general or genuine issues controlling the car. Um, it's a difficult car to drive and that's yeah, really is. cool to see. The only downfall has been short tracks um, and that was an issue more so in the beginning of the year. Recently, I haven't seen such an issue. Uh, uh, Phoenix was a big issue in the beginning of the season. First yeah. Richmond wasn't great. Second Richmond was a pretty dang good race. Yeah, that was fun um, to watch. Yeah, and we've seen some road course issues as well. I, I think after another year, I think when NASCAR tweaks a couple things here in the offseason, um, road courses will look much better. Uh, mm -hmm. Watkins Glen was a great race. And, and you know, to be fair, that's probably one of the best tracks uh, for road course races. So I've been really pleased with the car. The only issue has been the driver safety aspect of things. Um, but I think the car itself has brought more media attention to the sport. It has created good racing um, and done everything basically anyone could have hoped it to be. Yeah, I think you hit the nail like right on the head there with just this car has been phenomenal. Like how many times have you been sitting in your backyard watching a race and being like, why are we getting such fun, exciting racing at the gateway? And uh, seeing that race unfold on a flat, like two mile track, we shouldn't be seeing something like that be <laughs> being so exciting yeah. with this new car, like all the other road courses being so exciting and just watching this car zip around the track. It's got insane speed. I love that veterans like Denny, Harvick, Kyle Busch, Logano, they have trouble controlling this car. Like they'll get loose and they wiggle yeah. a lot. I like it a lot because the last car was like, you could just drive in a straight line, everything be fine. It was incredibly hard to pass all the time. The downforce wasn't there. They did. We have to applaud NASCAR for what they did on the car for the performance side. The safety side obviously has the concerns, but the performance side has been great. And I think they yeah, do I mean, a little bit about the short tracks. I know they need to. I know they were trying to do stuff with like getting rid of the diffuser and everything like that. Um, but there are some tweaks that we can do on the performance side for sure. I think um, the biggest change we could see on short tracks is um, changing the gearbox gear ratio, maybe. Yeah, um, that would be I, exciting. I, I don't know how 
I'm obviously not super mechanically inclined, so I can't tell you exactly how that would work. Um, but it's too easy for drivers to miss a downshift or miss the corner completely and then downshift on exit and just pull away. And we've heard them talk about that on TV a lot. Um, but that's really why these short track races are staying so uh, non-competitive almost and um, and really making it easy for these drivers to get around those places. But, you know, we look at these inter intermediate tracks, these mile and a half, these two mile tracks, and they have produced amazing racing. Um, there's very few moments where the leader is able to kind of break away from the pack or kind of get on these 15 second leads. Uh, I'm not saying that's a great thing for the sport, but um, it creates competitive racing. It creates drama, creates some action. Um, and, you know, this is the first time for what feels like eight years that these drivers can actually pass at these intermediate yeah. tracks without a huge boost or without the driver in front of them making an error. Um, they're able to get behind them in the wake of their the wake of their um, draft cut across the the rear bumper and and keep on going so um that's really something new that we haven't seen in a while um and i've really been enjoying it i think also a new thing too to, that's important to bring up is like we did have 16 winners this year like that hasn't happened in a while in the sport it's yep. so fun to see a team like track house and have daniel suarez show up and chastain show up you get Tyler Reddick from RCR finally showing what he can be made of. Um, it's fun to see like the middle road pack teams like finally come in and be like, hey, I can compete with Hendrick. I can compete with Joe Gibbs and I can compete against the four car in Stuart Haas because that's really the only car that is quick <laughs> from Stuart Haas. But it's it's very fun to see the middle of the pack guys show up like that. So hopefully the playoffs keep continuing yeah. off to exciting stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see how long that parity lasts. Um, I'm curious to see if going into next year, there's a bigger gap between those middle pack cars and the top pack cars. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. I mean, we don't know. My my inclination would tell me that there's probably going to be a little bit of gains made by the top teams just based on pure money being poured into it. Um, but I could be completely wrong. So we'll see. Um, it's definitely something to watch as we go through the playoffs and into uh, the 2023 season next year. But um, speaking of playoffs again, because, you know, playoffs are this week. What, wh when does this championship TV show debut? Is, is that this week or next it is, week? It is this Thursday at 10 o'clock. Wow. The uh, race for the championship, I think is the title of it, right? And yeah, it's on USA. Yeah, we've been talking about like getting media attention, right? I am so excited. I'm curious to see what the viewership numbers are, right? Because it's not on a streaming service. They're not even putting it on Peacock, which I think yeah. is you, you got to put it on Peacock if you want like even an inkling of a younger generation to show up and see what the sport's about. I think this is such a brilliant move by NASCAR to finally do like a 10 episode miniseries of like, here's the drivers in the playoffs. Here's the drivers that wanted to be in it. This is what it's like to race for a playoff. Here's behind the scenes footage in the garage. It's going to be so fun to see that behind the scenes stuff and almost get like a F1 drive to survive feel from it. At least that's what I'm hoping it's going to be like. And I'm yeah. curious to see what the viewerships are because I'm going to be watching it. I'll be watching it tomorrow night at 10 and see what it's all about. You know, it's funny. This is like the prime law and order time for like people who are 60 and 70 years old to watch USA t um, TV and watch law and order. So I'm yeah. curious to see <laughs> how much that residual audience <laughs> either stays or leaves. But um, isn't on or like the it's like one of the top shown TV shows. It's like like top, yeah, it's like yeah, it gets shown a lot. So I'm curious to see up if there people like, just trickle over and then keep yeah. watching. It's like right up there with like NCI NCIS and stuff like that. Yeah, whatever but prime show that's been up there for 30 years, you know, it's like it's yeah. always that. <clears throat> I, I'm really excited to see it. So for those listening that don't know, um, basically USA and NBC basically walked down the pit road and asked, asked different drivers, like if they were interested in joining the show. Um, not everyone said yes. I know Denny Hamlin said no. Um, a few different drivers said no. I think Harvick, Harvick said no as well, I believe. Um, yeah. So it, it's not your full cast, but but if you remember back to Drive to Survive the first year, both Red Bull and Mercedes actually turned down the series because they thought 
it was going to give away um, secrets um, into their to their races and stuff like that. I'm curious to see if we're going to see a similar relationship with this series and NASCAR. Um, and if teams are just a little bit or drivers are just a little bit tentative. Um, but since then, Mercedes has joined the Drive to Survive series um, and they've been great for viewership over there. So I'm just curious to see how well this goes. Um, yeah. If USA actually produces a solid show, I'm sure they will. I mean, they're in the TV business, but you never know. This could be just like that sitcom that we had last year <laughs> or two years ago. What What was that called? It was on Netflix, right? With like, yeah, I uh, I don't know the that? actors. I don't know the actor's name, but it's Paul Blard, the freaking mall cop guy, and he was just it was like the crew. the crew. That's what it was. Yeah, I don't know the sitcom of like Austin Dillon show. Tone of five hundred winner, you're talking to. I don't need those stupid jokes. Just show me behind the scenes stuff. I don't want to see even behind the car scene stuff. I just want to see the garage atmosphere. I want to see the drama. I want to see stuff like that. And just don't make it overcomplicated. I'm very interested to see the viewership numbers. And if the viewership numbers are even an inkling of good, like say it's like even like 750k people watched, you need to get that on some streaming service immediately to be like, hey, here it is. You can now watch episode one and see where it goes from there. So I hope it's good. I'm going to be watching yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I just want to see someone, um, you know, get in a fight with like the crew chief or something. Like, I just yeah. want to see like, that would I just want to see some like real racing stuff. Um, but, you know, like you said, it debuts tomorrow at 10 a, sorry, not 10 a.m. 10, 10 p.m. PM. Eastern time on USA tomorrow. Uh, really looking forward to it. I'm going to have to stay up till like, is it, is it a, one hour is it two hours? Do you know? I think it's only one hour. So, all right, it's getting past my bedtime. I'm getting old here. Alex. I know. I know. Once I start oh, my job again Tuesday, I won't be watching it next week. I'll be recording it and then watching it. <laughs> oh boy! Wow, you really are old. Oh my I, lord! I'm getting all right. There, so the so, playoffs are tight this year. Extremely have, tight. Yeah, I mean, our drivers are separated by. So Elliot has the lead in t with uh, 2,040 points. Yep. Gano is at 20-25. Chastain's in third with 20-20. Um, and then after that, it's only one it's, point separating each drive. Yeah, one point separations between all of them. That's, like, insane to me. That's, say, like, a guy like Austin Dillon in 16th with 2,005 points, right? He gets a single stage win. And say, like, Blaney doesn't get any stage wins or, like, doesn't even get any stage points. Austin Dillon is now right ahead of Blaney after one stage. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, we go to stage one, Darlington. Austin Dillon can get the stage win. Blaney could sit 11th. And based on the point standing, Austin Dillon would be, like, all the way shot up to fifth. Like, that is so crazy how close this is. And I think it's also insane to me how I have not been paying attention to Logano at all. And I didn't even know he snuck up to have that comfortable of a second place lead over everybody at 2,025 points. I had no idea he was putting up that consistency to be only 15 behind Chase. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways here. Um, Blaney got a lot of points from just where he finished the regular season. I believe mm -hmm. he finished the regular season in fourth third. or fifth in the standing. I think he was third. Like third. He finished his third. Okay, yeah. so he's actually entering with um, 2013 points. So he is he is four points up on the cut line, or I, I guess technically six points up on the cut line. Daniel Suarez is the first man out. Um, he is two points behind Chase Briscoe entering the playoffs, who sits in 12th. Um, Sindrick is three points behind Chase Briscoe. Bowman is somehow only three points behind Chase Briscoe. But the year he's had... It's a it's yeah, actually it's actually like crazy because it's been ever since Greg Ivis has been his crew chief. You just have to look at every summer since I am the resident Bowman fan. He has an awful summer for the last like five years. He will have like from February to about May. His average finish this year was like eleven point two. He was going on a tear. He was having great, just put in stage work, not getting the wins he could get, but he was getting stage like places and stuff like that. When June hits, so with, everything just crumbles underneath. 
Yeah, and that almost seems like it's a trend with Hendrick in general. I just I remember years of um, Jimmy Johnson struggling through the summer, and then suddenly, you know, September would come around and he'd be on fire again. But looking at the schedule for the round of 16, we have Darlington this week, Kansas next week, and then Bristol as the cutoff race. Which of those four drivers um, below the cutoff line do you see kind of sneaking in to the top 12 or if two drivers, um, if you have them? The two drivers that are like out of it right now you're talking about or, one or anybody two. in general? Uh, one or two I drivers can... outside the top 12 sneaking in. I honestly, like, I am going to go with Bowman as one of them just because I know it's, like, biased because he's my he's my driver. But, like, I think he can put something together at at least Darlington or maybe Bristol. Um, he could shock us at Kansas. Maybe Hendricks throws up some speed there for the 48. Um, but the only reason I say Bowman is because I don't think Austin Dillon's going to do anything, and I don't think Centric's going to do anything. I think Suarez and Bowman – are going to be the ones that can at least advance to the round of 12 and then maybe get knocked out after that. But those are probably my two guys, I think, that advance out. I just don't have faith in Cindric or Dylan with those three tracks. Yeah, Suarez is definitely going to be a mine guy. Um, I think just from a raw speed perspective, he has the best probability of sneaking in, um, especially with two intermediate tracks in Darlington and Kansas um, being two of the two of the races this round. If you look at Darlington, he actually finished 10th this year, um, yeah. which was a solid finish. And he was running really well on intermediates in the beginning portion of the year. I expect that to kind of carry into the playoffs. I expect them to bring a lot of speed um, and his setup to be pretty similar to Chastain's. So I think he'll have a lot of speed at both Darlington and Kansas. I can yeah. expect a driver like Chase Briscoe or even Kyle Busch to kind of have some issues early on in those first two two races possibly um and Suarez to definitely build a bit of a cushion heading into bristol where he just needs to log a top 10 and kind of call it a day um in order to make the next round of the playoffs what's a driver or two inside the top eight that you see missing the round of 12 uh definitely the 24 william byron has been having when we talk about Bowman having a hard summer, 24 has been having the same thing. William Byron has always had bad luck in the summer. But even when you go back the last two years, he's also had horrible luck in the playoffs. He'll make it. I think he made it last year and the year before. And he just he just doesn't get any luck in him, man. If he makes it to the round of 12, he's usually like the first round exit always right away out. I mean, besides that in the first eight, I think it's – that's tough because you got Elliot, you got Logano, you got Chastain, Denny, Blaney, Reddick. Yeah, like, I that's think a you top eight. Yeah, you almost have to look um, at those drivers who have less than a. Well, Larson has a twelve point advantage on the cut line. That's really not that much. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it feels like Larson's going to have a pretty easy road, though. I mean, he just got to. He just has to do Kyle Larson things, and he'll make the round of 12. <laughs> yeah, uh, <he> Byron's, <laughs> Byron's a pretty good answer, I think, to possibly miss. But I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. He just hasn't had the summer um, that he's wanted. He's just had yeah. rough races that really put him in jeopardy of missing the playoffs altogether. And, you know, I just don't see him carrying too much confidence, especially after wrecking in the first wreck this week at Daytona. Um, if he doesn't get that, that Penske forward underneath him at Darlington and Darlington's a hard track. It, he could, he could be in trouble in he could when be, it comes yeah. time to race at Bristol. So um, that's my driver that I'm going to say misses the round of 12. Who that's do you see? You know, let's just, let's just predict our winners for the round of 12 now or for the round of 16. Now what three drivers? Well, we'll start with Darlington. Who do you think is going to win at Darlington? I think it's going to be a Chevy driver, and I honestly think it's going to be um, – I want to say a Larson or Chastain. That's kind of like what my gut is. I think Larson's been pretty good. Or scratch that, not Chastain, sorry. Reddick. I think Reddick's going to be pretty good. I think he finished second at Darlington in May, so he was right behind Logano. 
he almost got the win from Logano. It's just Logano, I'm pretty sure, was throwing like crazy blocks at the end because that's what he's best at. So I think a Chevy driver is going to win, and I'm going to go with like Larson or Reddick for them at Darlington. I'm going to pick a Ford. I'm going to go Kevin Harvick nice. picks up the win nice. at Darlington. Over the fast, past four races there, he has four top tens, three top fives, and a win. He has an average finish of 4.0, 63 laps led. Um, and, and like I said, he's 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 four top tens at Darlington. That's unheard of. Four of four yeah. there. I, I think he, he has a lot of confidence right now. Two big wins at the end of the year here. Um, I think a Ford walks away with the win at, at Darlington, a racer's track for sure. What about Kansas? Who do you have winning at Kansas? Uh, for Kansas, I'm definitely going to go to – I want to go with the Toyota, honestly, just to be a contrarian a little bit. And also, I believe they had a decent amount of speed at Kansas, although my memory's a little foggy, so I'd have to look it up again. I'm going to go with Christopher Bell. That is going to be my, my pick for Kansas because I think – the Toyotas, again, my memory may be hazy, but I'm pretty sure they had a decent showing. I think they qualified well and maybe didn't finish the strongest. Um, but I think Christopher Bell could be one of those guys and the Toyotas really show up and do what they need to do at Kansas. So you're going to love my pick again. Oh, yeah. I'm going Kevin Harvick again. Back to nice. back, Darlington, <laughs> Kansas. He's got it. He's got a 5.5 average finish over the last four races here. He's got three top tens and three top fives. That's the most important important um, trait there is the fact that he's every time he's in the top ten, he's in the top five, which means he's running for the win towards the end. 85 laps led over the last four races. He will be there. It's just a matter of if he can go back to back at Darlington and Kansas. But he's already done it once this year. So it's a question sure. of can he do it again um, and kind of just make – he would just, just – create so much havoc with two two wins back to back he would absolutely put the fear of harvick in everyone um at the racetrack so that would be really exciting who do you have at bristol bristol is a ford for me for sure and short track racing you gotta go with the man himself joey logano for short track racing just because Whoa. denny hamlin comments of short track racing and all those things i think he's gonna be able to he hasn't shown the speed that he wants to at bristol this year um but i think he can be that guy that really shows up uh, well actually this year they did the dirt one so scratch that i keep forgetting they do dirt now um yeah but in recent memories it's like when you think short track racers it's always one of the penske drivers that does really good and fords so i'm going to go with joey logano for that Okay, I'm going to go Kyle Larson. Um, he's actually only raced the 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 concrete configure or dry configure non mud configuration twice in the last four races because he was yeah. suspended. Um, but in those two races, he has an average finish of three point five. He has a win, top five, and two top ten. So um, and two hundred thirty seven laps led in only two races which if you double that and kind of round it out, he would actually be leading in that category. Um, so I'm going Kyle Larson picks up the final final win of the round and heads off into the round of 12 as, once again, a favorite to win a, cha to win a championship. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a fair pick. I had Larson more at Kansas, but I can see it at a short track. So we'll see. Should be exciting when we get through this round of 12 or round of 16, rather. Well, let's back it up. Let's talk specifically Darlington. What are your expectations for the race? And uh, give me a sneak peek at your fantasy lineup this week. Let me pull up the uh, fantasy picks real quick before. I always do this every week is I go on the fantasy app and make sure I put my picks in before practice and qualifying even goes just because I like to have an idea of like who is the best, go through statistics and things like that. So not going to give like my entire lineup, but 
Mm. I definitely have a Redick and Logano. I think it's going to be the two guys I'm really going to target unless I see something crazy different in practice and qualifying, only because I'm going off of what they did at Darlington this year in May. They were 1-2. Logano dominated with 18 stage points and got the win. Redick sat there, I think, with 12 stage points and got second. So they were dominant, those two, at Darlington, and I'm expecting them to be dominant just again. Um, Dark horses, really. I'm going to go with like uh, drivers like Christopher Bell, um, even some guys that are not in the playoffs. Maybe Truex, he could have a chip on his shoulder and be pissed off that he didn't make the playoffs because of some random circumstances that happened at Daytona. And sometimes when you get Truex a little agitated, he races better. So yep. I think he could be a guy that could really show up and be like, Listen, NASCAR, you should have me in the playoffs to begin with. This format's BS. <laughs> so I think he could have a little chip on his shoulder. So some Toyotas there, the Fords. I'm really targeting Penske guys and see what they can do. But practice and qualifying will obviously adjust what I think happens there. So who so, do you got? I'll give three drivers that are most likely going to be in my lineup. Um, obviously, Kevin Harvick, I already gave my explanation for him. Yeah, I'm gonna you also be looking up guns blazing. Yeah, he's he's gonna just absolutely <laughs> demolish these playoffs. It's gonna be insane. Everyone's gonna hate it. Um, but I'm looking at Denny Hamlin. Obviously, it's his best racetrack. There's, there's no secrets about that. Um, he has an average finish of 10.0 over the last four races, which isn't really too hot. But he's actually leading fantasy points of the past four races at hey. Darlington, which suggests he's running up front a lot. Um, my next driver, well, you kind of mentioned him. I do like Truex, but because you took him, um, I'm not going to talk about him, <laughs> but I also like as a little bit of a dark horse, Austin Dillon. Mm, what do you, I, I, I don't like Austin Dillon. What do you think of that? I don't, I don't I like know. him as a dark horse at all. Recently, I gotta be honest. I've been running him a little bit, and he has an average finish of 9.3 here over the past four races. He has three top tens. That's very shocking to me. He's actually repping the third best average finish here over the past four races. I think I had to suppress some hate for Austin Dillon because even when I was looking at it, like his stat, his average finish is like a 16.1 this season. He's not even doing that bad on the year. He just doesn't show up at most points and he never gets he's never contending for a win i feel like that's why i never notice him because he's always like always squeaks into a top 10 or top five in stage three with like 50 laps to go that's where he ends up he never gets the stage points yeah. he wants. so that's why he, i don't think he's ever on my radar because like from for tracks like Kansas or tracks like darlington i'm really targeting stage points i want guys that are going to be up and battling for those points so i can get a huge like 50 point day from a driver and stuff like that so i like the dark yeah, horse definitely we expecting him to finish well he's there but i don't know if he gets the stage points he definitely gets overshadowed by his teammate a little bit um and maybe that's for good reason another dark horse that i'm considering i don't know if i'll go with it um but i am looking at mr christopher busher he has had decent, decent finishes over the last month or so. He's rocking a 15.0 average finish, which for Darlington isn't bad at all, and two top 10s in that span as well. He's actually ranked 10th um, based on average finish here. So mm -hmm. it's just a matter of if he can get those stage points. Um, but he is finishing these races, which is obviously probably the most important factor. If you have a driver... Who runs up front and then wrecks out well great you just got 20 stage points and that's it and you're ending the day with 20 points um so i'm looking at christopher busher i'm looking at consistency like i said don't know if i'll be putting him in, in my lineup i might go with more heavy hitters this week um yeah, you gotta, but I, I only have five uses of each driver so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun playoffs i'm 210 points out of the lead in our league um way back i need to make up some yeah, points you need to you need me to crash and burn hard because I'm in the lead. But I need I'm not everyone by a lot. Yeah, you need everybody because I'm only leading Hunter by like nine, and then the rest of the guys are like only like 12, 15 behind me. And I'm like, I feel the pressure. I don't like being in first. It's it's daunting. It's all like if I if I mess up once, everybody's like, 
dang, you suck. Why didn't you pick Reddick or Austin yeah, Dillon yeah. over this guy? And I'm like, shut up, dude. I don't, I don't know what you dude, want me to do. <laughs> I'm so sad that I'm not higher up. Like, this is the worst fantasy NASCAR year I've ever had. And it's embarrassing, I think. But here's the thing. I don't think I've gotten worse. I think everyone's just gotten really good this year. Yeah, um, I think everyone's, everyone's doing really good. Yeah. Every, everyone's, especially, uh, everyone just absolutely. Um, did you just see that Aaron Hicks catch? Sorry, change the topic. We're talking about the Yankees now. I actually don't um, have a tab open for the game. I need to see wow. it. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, yeah, everyone's just stepping it up, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel everybody back in. Hunter's gonna have a bad week here. I can feel it in my oh, bones. Oh, I, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna sit here and kind of just um, what was that called? Um, when you, what's that called when you like foresee something? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, I got my crystal ball here. Hunter's gonna pick. He's going to pick right now. He's got, let me just see. Let me think about who he's got in his lineup. He's got Logano in his lineup. He's got Truex. He's got Larson. He's got Reddick, Byron. No, he doesn't have Byron. But he has those those three or four that I just said. So Hunter switched those out. Um, you're going to, you're going to suck this week. So I, nice. I guess I that like does that. it for this week's episode of the Tight on Entry Racing Podcast, the fastest growing podcast on Spotify. Thank you all so much for listening to our comeback show. We're here to stay this time. Um, life got busy, but we're both in a routine now. We both got things figured out, and uh, we're, we're going to be here on a weekly basis. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Peace out. Peace out.